Moncrief on News Talk. I want to welcome to the show Linda Whitemarsh. Linda is a parent and chairperson for the Cavan Monaghan Parents Committee for Children in Need of Disability Services. Uh, Linda, you're very, very welcome to the show. Um, listen, before we talk about the committee, the work you're doing, what you're advocating for, tell us a little bit about your own family and the situation you find yourselves in. Hi, Karen. Thanks very much for having me. <clears throat> and I just have to apologise. We've all had the flu in the house for the last Oh, God. Week, Sorry to hear so it. So we're getting over it. So this is not normally my voice. Uh, <laughs> if I'm whining, don't turn off. I normally don't speak like this. <laughs> I normally don't have a whiny voice, but we're all just uh, getting over a flu at the moment. So um, Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you won't. Yeah, anyway, go on. Uh, basically, I'm just an ordinary mum to three extraordinary children. I have three boys. Finn is five, so he's neurotypical, which means he's no additional needs. Or, sorry, Oren is five, uh, and he's no um, additional needs. Finn is nine. Uh, Finn has cystic fibrosis. Finn has a mild intellectual disability. And Finn is autistic. And Finn has only really started speaking to um, immediate family in the last two years. So he was non-speaking up until he was seven, which is very hard. Um, Finn was diagnosed when he was five because he had a lot of issues, medical issues with his DS. So he was a late diagnosis. Uh, Then Liam is my eldest. He's 11. Three amazing boys. To just Liam and Finn see the world in a different way. Finn is non-verbal, but Finn can read. And Finn can read his comic books from day to night out loud and he just loves them. He's a lovely little spirit. He's a great wee character. Mm. Um, he types and he uses an AAC device to speak as well. So then Liam is 11 and Liam was discharged from Enable Ireland when he was six. And Liam only got diagnosed there in September. So we waited nearly five years for a diagnosis of dyspraxia. Dyspraxia is a condition that affects your fine and your gross motor coordination. So Liam was seen in primary care because he's non-complex. He would be, his challenges would be simpler than Finn's. So he was seen there after a four and a half year wait. He was seen by physio, seen by uh, the OT. We're given a program to work with. So, like, Liam doesn't really need any intervention for the time being. Okay. But so, when it comes to... a lot of to, kids that may not need it, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to ask, when it comes to, to Finn, and even Liam in terms of, I suppose, your in, uh, initial effort to get a diagnosis, the, uh, the Disability Act um, uh, sets out quite clearly that an assessment of needs would be carried out within six months, and then based on that assessment of need, services would be provided. Yeah. So how well, here, how how close was your experience know. to that? We didn't know about the assessment of needs until last year. Not it's not until you actually get speaking to other parents. Like when you're in the system, you don't really know what's going on until you get talking to other parents. And then when you're actually when you're not in the system, so people that have like a normal family, so to speak, um, you think that the system won't let you down until you're actually in it. And for us as a family, it wasn't the diagnosis because Liam is autistic as well. So that was just recently diagnosed, but we've been aware of it. But it wasn't the diagnosis that was the hard thing to deal with. It was the fact that there's no support, the constant fighting, and it's like another war to get what your child needs. 
And it's this constant fighting that you have to do because you're not just mommy and daddy. You're physiotherapist, you're speech and language therapist, you're an OT, you're a referee, you're a cook, you're everything. You know, but it's just the more pressure on you. It's physically and mentally draining to have kids with additional needs. And don't get me wrong, you wouldn't change them for the world. But the fact that there's no help is the most draining part. Like when you're a parent with a kid with additional needs, all you have is hope. But there's constant barriers in relation to children and adults with additional needs. So when you when um, you say that there's there's no services, I mean, what 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 does that mean? I mean, literally none. Like you get nothing, or you get very little. Just for for people out there who who don't live in this okay. world at all, or lucky enough never have to deal with it. Right. So Finn is nine, and Finn was non-speaking until he was seven, really, to his family. Um, but for school and everything, he only spoke really last year. So what happened was Finn has never received speech and language therapy until last year. Not one session. He was on a waiting list. And he was on a waiting list for three years to see his speech and language. And this is a child that's non-speaking. Mm. Now, and with his CF needs, he couldn't tell me if he was sore, couldn't tell me if it was pain. You know, but we got by, he was having more single word conversations with me. But one hour of speech and language therapy, this was this time last year, is all he got. One hour for a child that's not speaking from the services. Since we actually spoke out, he's gotten three hours in total from speech and language. Now, my husband, who is also the co-chair as well, the way he says it about the disability um, teams are, it's all these parents, you're fighting over crumbs. But instead of fighting over these crumbs and getting your child seen, why don't we all band together and say, demand that more bread is made instead of fighting over little crumbs? Because three hours for speech and language in a child's life that's non-speaking, it's just horrific. Yeah. You know, he well, was so frustrated. Yeah. We were frustrated. And I mean, had he got earlier intervention, and had he gotten speech and language when he needed it, when he was diagnosed at five, where would we be now? And that's a regret that I'm always going to have. That's because that's what I was about to ask you, Linda. I mean, the the if we accept what the medical professionals say that your know, early intervention is key, then surely you have to accept that by not offering early intervention, then the state is essentially kind of. Uh, impacting these children negatively in a way that's going to follow them around for years. Yeah, I mean, like, if you leave children with unmet needs, unmet needs, so if the children are not getting exactly what they need, they're going to have increased, um, or sorry, decreased independency, and they're going to be more dependent on you. Like, Finn has had three hours of speech and language in total. He was only seen once in a school by an OT, and he was never seen by psychology. Myself and my husband had to get him privately assessed because we weren't aware of the assessment you need. And in the last two and a half years, we have spent over 15000 on services, um, therapies for Finn, just for one child. Like, that's very hard with everything going on. Yeah. And now with a second child, we just can't afford it. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to afford. I guess that's the whole point, isn't it? You shouldn't have to afford it. No, you shouldn't. But but parents have no choice to go, um, you know, to go private because if your child needed a pair of glasses, 
what length would you do to get that child a pair of glasses? The same as speech and language is essential for a non-speaking child as a pair of glasses is for a child who's near or far-sighted. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason we seem to accept as a society that the children with those other additional needs that, you know, that they kind of, that, that they wait and they linger on these waiting lists. They, as you say, I mean, if children were running around, and I don't want to sound kind of like I'm being facetious about it, kind of, but bumping into things and tripping over themselves because their eyesight was very bad and we didn't have enough glasses in the country. You can yeah. be sure as you know what, that the state would ensure that by the following week we'd have enough glasses. Definitely. Like, and I mean, the system is in complete crisis and has been for years and it's just been accepted and it's not fair because these are innocent children. Like, it's going to take a long while to fix this completely broken system. But there's steps and there's things that can be done. Like, just in Cavan alone, the, like, the main problem is as well is that there's so many vacancies. There's 91 disability network teams. So that's just for complex children. That's not primary care. Mm. And there's 91 teams in the whole country. There is not one team that is fully uh, fully filled. Yeah. All of them are half filled. In Cavan, we are only at half capacity. We have 12 staff and 14 vacancies. And out of those 12 staff in Cavan, like they're brilliant, but there is 1.5 physios. Like so, like one works half a week and the other works one, you know, full week. There's one speech and language therapist. Now yeah. that's why Finn's not getting services because that speech and language therapist is for people that are having problems swallowing, which definitely needs it. But can you imagine being the only speech and language therapist for 665 children? Yeah. The pressure that that would have on you. But not only that, because she's a naval Ireland, you know, they're, they're Section 39 workers, so they're not getting the same pay as the HSE. They're not getting the same maternity leave. They're not getting the same pensions as the HSE. There's no actually drive for people to work with people with complex needs. Yeah. There's been no recruitment drives, no overseas, and there's been no increase in college places. Like, I know I mean, people will get in touch, and I know people have got in touch and they'll say, you know, listen, there's kind of recruitment issues right across uh, the economy. But the fact is that we didn't have enough people to fill all the vacant posts before COVID, before the war in Ukraine. We didn't have enough when the economy was in the gutter. We didn't have enough when the economy was absolutely booming. We've never had enough. So you'd have to yeah. you, you, you'd have to ask yourself uh, whether it is policy, maybe not conscious policy, but c- policy on some level not to have enough well, or certainly not to focus. I mean, in the 90s, there was a big influx of overseas nurses. And you can see it today. And they're amazing. You know what I mean? And there has been no overseas uh, recruitment for OTs, for speech and language. There hasn't been one. Like We've spoke to the minister, Minister Rabbit, and she's relying on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's not working. Why don't we look back in history and learn from it? Doing overseas recruitment for speech and language therapists, for OTs, for physios, and actually give them an incentive. You know, like this Section 39 workers is going on for yeah. years. And the government can do something about it. The government can change, you, you know, act. To, like if you change the Disability Act, like the Disability Act, uh, you get your assessment to need via the Disability yeah. Act. But that's where it falls off. 
Yeah. You don't get anything else. There's no entitlement no, there. But you're even 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 that act, I mean, I think it guarantees an assessment and within uh six months. So yeah. uh, uh, like that, that 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 doesn't even happen. Lots of people getting in touch. I was laughed out at the doctor's surgery when I asked for a referral as I knew my daughter was autistic when she was two I was told I shouldn't have come to the surgery in the middle of a pandemic with a non-urgent matter my daughter was not considered a priority I got her privately assessed she was autistic still non-verbal almost five we're on the HSE waiting list for early intervention she was told that they would see her in 36 months at which time she will no longer be eligible for early intervention absolutely diabolical my daughter can't speak uh, but my God, I will scream for her, says that listener. Somebody else says, as a mother of an adult child with special needs, my heart goes out to that lady. My daughter's 29 and nothing has changed for people with special needs in this country. Actually, listening to that lady, it seems things may have gotten worse. Where is our government in all of this? Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.